0: We're about liberty here at Moms for America. Liberty begins at home. When a mama knows, when a grandmother knows, her generations will know. Cottage meetings are these pockets of liberty, discussion groups of women coming together to share with one another, to learn principles of liberty and freedom and to learn ways we could shore up our families and our communities so that they'll love America. It's been said that 10 small discussion groups in a community will do more to create a new way of life than a hundred mass meetings with a thousand people uh, at attendance. Now, there's nothing wrong with showing up at the rally where thousands of people are there, but what really moves the needle, what really changes the mother, and therefore she changes the child in the home and the community, is what what transpires in these cottage meetings when small groups of women come together and the spirit is felt and the hearts are touched and that mama goes home. And and begins to implement and teach some of these ideas and things to her children to raise up this next generation of patriots that are gonna be on the front line in defending and saving this nation. I hope you enjoy our lesson today. It's full of inspiring and soul stirring stories. Viv, let's have the first slide. There's an Indian proverb that says, Tell me a fact. The next slide, tell me the facts and I'll learn. Tell me the truth and I'll believe, but tell me a story and it will live in my heart forever. Now that is what we're talking about today. The purpose of our lesson is to share the power of stories and promoting liberty and raising up patriots because stories are a powerful medium, okay Viv, to teach the pillars of liberty. And they're the best way stories are to plant seeds in the hearts of our children We're going to talk about restoring the art of storytelling in our homes. You know, we've talked about this in the last few lessons, that teaching facts educate the mind, but a story educates the heart, which the heart is the core motivator to inspiring and changing behavior. So the stories of faith and virtue and patriotism from our past are really the bridges that allow us to secure liberty for our future. So there's an eight-minute video that I think we're going to show. Let's go ahead and show it. Our fearless president, Kimberly Fletcher, our videos are still rough. We haven't quite um, finalized them because there'll be a few little pictures. But with each cottage meeting, as I teach, we always have additional little side videos. And Kimberly is going to talk about... um, the power of telling a story to teach a child. Okay, Bib, let's cue this up, it's eight minutes.
1: This principle, in the short three years that he had to teach people, he did it through stories. And now those stories live on in the hearts and minds of our children. Even those who don't read the Bible know the golden rule. Information goes to the brain, but stories travel directly to the heart. And it's our heart that inspires our thoughts, And directs our actions. I know a lot of parents think their children are learning history in school, but the history they're learning is full of tedious dates and faceless names. It's not the inspiring, heart-changing stories that were once told in America's classrooms, preached by pastors, or read by moms and dads at the fireside. No, our story has unfortunately greatly changed. C. Bradley Thompson, a professor of history and political science at Ashland University, has spent several years studying the history and textbooks in America's schools. He states, The American pageant was a grand story of epic scale and heroic accomplishment. In short, the history of America was the history of freedom. However, American history is something very different today. He went on to say that today our children are being taught the colonization of America represents the greatest act of genocide in world history, that the founding fathers were racist, sexist, classist, homophobic, Eurocentric bigots, and that hidden in the closets of most white Americans is a white robe and a hood. I've read the textbooks, and I assure you, he is not exaggerating. Professor Thompson concludes, by debunking the principles and great deeds of the American past, and by dethroning our most cherished heroes, we are destroying in our youth, the natural reverence and patriotic attachment that is vital to the health of our country. A nation that hates itself, he continues, cannot last. Robert McAfee Brown professes, storytelling is the most powerful way to put ideas into the world today. So just what is a story? first let me tell you what a story is not richard montgomery was born december 2nd 1783 an irish-born soldier who first served in the british army he later became a brigadier general in the continental army during the american revolutionary war and he is most famous for leading the failed 1775 invasion of canada okay again that's not a story but unfortunately it's what we're getting in school this This is a story. General Montgomery was ordered to assemble his forces at a point on Lake Champlain. He was a man of great military experience for his years, full of gifts, graces, and accomplishments, one of the most admired and beloved of the revolutionary heroes. The order to take charge of the Canadian expedition reached him in his beautiful home on the banks of the Hudson where with his young wife, whom he tenderly loved, had settled hoping for quiet years of domestic happiness and a home adorned with every refinement. But Montgomery loved honor more than life and liberty more than happiness. He obeyed the call of his country. I wish I had the time to tell you the whole story of General Montgomery about the capture of Quebec, the textbooks labeled as a failure. But what I can tell you is Quebec was one of the strongest fortifications in all of America, in artillery, men, and location. It was virtually impenetrable. I'd like to tell you about the 300 men led by this young general, who went up against Quebec much like the Spartans of old. They suffered rigid cold temperatures, fatigue, illness, and death, but they courageously stood their ground in spite of extreme hardships. In the midst of these brutal conditions, Robert Montgomery often thought of his peaceful home in the beautiful hills and his loving wife sitting in her loneliness there. He would have bartered all the glory he had won for one hour at that hearthstone. Should he ever see it again? When General Montgomery gave his life for his country, there was much sadness amongst his fellow patriots. It was said of him in all the records of ancient or modern valor, I have read nothing equal to this. Washington bewailed his loss, for he loved him as a brother. All over the land, men wept as for a heart friend. Congress desiring to transmit to future ages an example of patriotism, boldness of enterprise, and contempt of danger and death, reared a monument of marble to the glory of Richard Montgomery. But the bitterest tears were shed in that pleasant home amid the hills of Hudson. A grief was there for which earth had no balm, for Montgomery's wife took no other love in his stead. Robert Montgomery gave his life to win for us those civil and religious liberties which have made our country the glory of all lands. The hero keeps his quiet, unbroken slumber in the graveyard of St. Paul's Church, New York just a step aside from Broadway. Of all the busy, tolling, hurrying millions that yearly pass and repass above the sacred dust, how many pause to lay upon his grave the chaplet of a grateful memory. I had never heard of Robert Montgomery until I read this story but after reading it, I had a burning desire to go to New York City and see the monument of this great man, the hero who no one knows. Do you remember the proverb, as a man thinketh? The proverb does not say, as a man thinketh, so is he. It says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Imagine if we spent a little time reading stories like Robert Montgomery to our children. What a difference it would make. We may tell our children to have courage, but the concept of courage will mean nothing until we show them what it looks like. The story is the most powerful motivator on the planet. Every war, every conflict, every action can be traced to the belief in a story for good or for evil. If the story of America, of freedom itself, lives on, it will be because we are sharing the story with our children. We have an entire library of these stories we recommend. Many are found at Libraries of Hope. They are stories written in the golden age of literature when authors wrote to instill a love of liberty, virtue, faith, and patriotism. I have read the entire Freedom series to our children. At the end of the Stories of Columbus by Elbridge S. Brooks, there is a quote that has lingered in my heart. Happier than any fairy tale, More marvelous than any wonder book, the story of the United States of America begins once upon a time and has come to the point where it depends upon the boys and girls who read it to say whether or not they shall live happily ever after. America's future will be determined by the stories we love and believe in. If we have failed to tell our children the stories of what made America the light and hope of the world, then the battle for our freedom will be lost, and the story we'll be telling our children is what it once was like in America when we used to be free. Never underestimate the power of a story. Stories can save our nation. Okay. So that is Kimberly Fletcher. She's the
0: president of Moms for America. Kimberly and I have known each other about 10 years. She was always telling me a story. Every time she and I would travel the country or I'd hear her speak, she was telling stories. I'm like, oh boy, here goes the story again. But the more I've been with Moms for America and the more that I have taught in my home, I understand, I get this idea of really pricking the little heart and conscience of your child of your adult children through stories. So um, let's have that next slide, Viv. So when President Reagan says, and I've we've used this quote before, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We don't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children, what it was once like in the United States when men were free. I hope that reverberates in our little heart there. let's pull on to the next slide. You know, I liked the um, Kimberly's video and she talked about this Richard Montgomery. I vaguely remember, you know, knowing he was a war hero, but I didn't know a lot. But when she said, when she learned about Richard Montgomery, it made her want to go to where he was buried. And just on Saturday, I was at that St. Paul's Church. Do you see that in New York? So the the second little video or the slide there with um, this is my sister, baby twin sister and my two oldest girls, Kayla. And we were actually there this summer, but we were there again on Saturday with my sisters and I'll show you them in a minute. But I always, when we're in New York city, I just, I don't know how I do it. <laughs> Maybe because there's patriotic sites all throughout the city. And when you know them, you just stumble upon them, but we somehow ended up again this Saturday at, the Federal Hall, and there's a statue of George Washington where he was sworn in when he became our first president. And Congress and his first act of business was to walk a few blocks down the street to St. Paul's. And here's that church that you see St. Paul's with the girls and the bikes. And inside, they had a church service and they prayed and they covenanted with God when he was, George Washington was sworn in, that this would be a one nation under God. And just like as we covenant with God, it's a two-way promise, we make certain promises to God and then he promises certain things. These founders knew that they were a remnant at the house of Israel and they would be entitled to the protections and the blessing of that Abrahamic covenant. As long as we lived under his law, God's law, and we made laws in this country that were godly laws. And so Viv, let's see the next slide. Um, There's actually a picture of where George Washington's pew was that day and where he sat in that church as they made these covenants to God. And there's the picture depicting that, put that on your bucket list. And did you know, okay, Beth that, um, Uh, Richard Montgomery, that story that Kimberly Fletcher told, that 37-year-old Revolutionary War hero that gave his life up in Quebec, he is buried in the cemetery there at St. Paul's. I didn't know that. I went to get back to St. Paul's to find his uh, grave site. Just about two blocks down from that St. Paul's church is the old Trinity Church, and that is where Um, Alexander Hamilton is buried and there's a marvelous statue of him in that old graveyard. It's powerful to take your kids there and then tell them the story or tell it at home and then take them there. They're excited to go and visit. Just like last week, we talked about Kimberly taking her children to the tomb of the unknown soldier in DC. And she telling them about that months before they took them there. And so it was fun to tell my sisters about, you know, how, we were founded on faith. Our, our country has a foundation of faith, and it helps to reinforce that we're a God-fearing nation. Our founders knew it, and we need to perpetuate this idea. So let's see the next slide. It's also interesting, according to that Reagan quote, that if if we don't do all we can, <laughs> to fight for our freedoms and to teach our children, we might be someday telling them what it was like to be free. So here are my four sisters. We just spent a whole week. I just got them off like two days ago. I'm I'm exhausted, to be quite honest with you. Seven days of all my sisters here. One day we spent in D.C. There's wonderful Lincoln behind us. And we went to Colonial Williamsburg and all of D.C. And we went to New York City. And in New York City, uh, let's see the next uh, round of slides, Beth we had to show our vaccine passport and our identification and mask mandate we had to every time we went into a store the M&M store the Hershey store we had to put the mask on and i thought you know if we continue to allow governments to infringe upon our freedoms this way our young children will not even blink an eye at having our governments determine medical decisions for them and having to show proof of certain things. So in, in, in order to go see the Christmas rockets, we went and saw the spec where there's a Christmas spectacular and wicked. We had to show them multiple forms, you know, before we were able to go into these venues. And it, rem- it just reminded me that if we don't continue to stand up and push back and support lawsuits that are infringing on our freedoms, our children will just, our grandchildren will only know a time when, you know, we have to do things according to the dictates of the government, not because we've been able to choose to participate or not. Okay, let's see our next slide, Viv. So in the 28 Principles that Changed the World, the 5,000-Year Leap, you know, it's one of my most, fa- I mean, I'll practically go to bed with this book. Uh, there's, it has an unusual title, uh, uh, the 5,000-Year Leap. Students of history will know that from the beginning of recorded history until the founding of the United States, human civilization really made relatively little progress Those who came into the new world, though, those that came to the new world in the 1500s and 1600s, were still plowing fields behind animals and moving with ox carts and hand weaving cloths the same way that they had thousands of years earlier. Then beginning with Jamestown and Plymouth, something remarkable happened, Mama's. The human spirit was set free and creativity flourished and experimentation abounded. Americans were learning how to experience true freedom. And under these proven principles of liberty, when they were institutionalized in our constitution in 1787, it took less than 200 years before men, let's see the next slide Viv, men were walking on the moon. Man had literally progressed more in 200 years than had been previously made in 5,000 years because of freedom that they were allowed to free, to innovate, to create. In the article, okay, Viv, in the article entitled The Story That Unites Us, in the supplemental materials in our lesson number seven. Now, everything I teach, you can find in the lesson, all the stories and so forth. So in lesson number seven, uh, we're reminded in a, an article that says the story that unites us. Actually, this only this one article is in the new um, Cottage Meeting Manual, which will be out in January. But it talks about the story of America unites us as a people. Unfortunately, if that story is no longer told of America, especially to our children, they just won't believe it. How can they believe a story when they don't even know the story? And then when they hear the story later on in life, because they weren't taught it when they were young, they're very cynical of it. They don't believe it. So as a mama, we're in a unique and powerful and influential position to promote a level of liberty in the hearts of our children, and our grandchildren when they're young, even if they're not going to be taught them in the school systems anymore or social media or even in the churches. It's us to kind of kindle, keep those little flames going. So when they hear it later on in life, they'll go, of course. I knew my mother taught me that my grandmother taught me that this lesson today is chock full of stories and articles and resources to help us to know how to teach these stories that we're not hearing really anymore in the promises. Okay. Let's have the next slide. Viv in the promises of the constitution. I hope everyone has this book. You can buy it on the monster America store. Um, You can find inspiring stories in very short vignette form, just like a little page and a half. So they're easy to read and discuss with your children or grandchildren if you have like five, ten minutes. So there's a story about the um, Puritans and all these little vignettes are listed in our Cottage meeting um, lesson number seven. So I'll just show you some of these slides as I say them. Bib, let's show this next slide. Vignette two, five tells of uh, a humorous, sweet little story of the Puritans who we think are so stern and sullen. And so that that's a cute one to tell about some of our first founders coming, especially at this Thanksgiving time. Vignette three, four tells of the bravery of common citizens um, during the war for independence. Four, two, the vignette tells there of. Uh, the miracle of the cannons that were brought to George Washington's army on giant sleds by uh, the great war hero, hero Henry Knox, who would go go on to become the secretary of war under George Washington. It's a great story how they put these uh, cannons on sleds. Uh, Vignette 4-3, the next slide Viv, tells of the battle for Boston, our hometown of liberty. Some stories there, vignette 4-4 Viv, Tells of the miracle of Long Island and the fog that rolled in that allowed 9,000 troops to cross the East River, averting the British when they woke up the next morning. Uh, um, vignette 4 or 5 in Promises of the Constitution tells of the miracle crossing on Christmas Day of the Delaware into on, on Christmas night through the day in, in, uh, at Christmas night. Um, there was thousands of troops that across the Delaware, Pennsylvania on one side, New Jersey on the other, the Delaware river in between them. That always confuses me. Hey, Washington's crossing right where Washington crossed is an actual site with a visitor center and the barns and the buildings where George Washington ate that night before he crossed the river. And you see replicas of the big boats. And then every Christmas day at noon. They didn't have it for COVID last year, but I think they're going to have it this year. They have a reenactment of Washington all dressed up, crossing the Delaware, and then he speaks. I've always told myself, If I ever don't have a house full of people on Christmas Day, I'm going to New Jersey and uh, Pennsylvania to see that reenactment. I'd been there several times at the fall time. It's just a it's a magical place. You just feel the spirit of the miracle of what transpired there as they crossed. And won victories in Trenton and Princeton just when the troops were getting ready to desert Washington. He needed, desperately needed to win. And he got it there uh, as they crossed that Washington crossing and marched on up to Trenton. But anyways, so vignette 4-6 or 4-5 tells the miracle. No, no, 4-6 tells the miracle of Valley Forge. I'm not going to tell you that because we've gone through it a little bit. But imagine... If you just on a regular basis would tell these kind of stories to your children. So, Bib, let's see that next slide. I would really recommend, remember, girls, we have the Healing of America seminar. Seminar one tells all these great stories of Joan of Arc, Christopher Columbus, the Pilgrims, Samuel Adam, the father of the American Revolutionary. Uh, the, uh, he, he started the Sons of Liberty, the Thomas Jefferson. The genius of Jefferson to write and the Declaration of Independence, oh George Washington, and just the, the magnitude of his character to keep uh, those troops together to win the Revolutionary War. Benjamin Franklin, the old man, pleading for prayer when the declaration uh, the. Constitutional Convention was going to fall apart. These are such great stories, and we we learn them in seminar number one, God's Hand in Establishing America. So go back and listen. It's four hours. It's broken up into four segments, four sections. Each section is one hour. But we we I tell these stories, and then that's how you can get better at retelling them to your children and grandchildren. Okay, Viv, let's have the next slide. In the Bible, God reminds us, mothers, grandmamas, of our stewardship to teach our children. In Deuteronomy 4.9, it says, To take heed for thyself, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, and they depart from your heart. But teach thy sons and thy sons' sons, God tells us. He's talking to grandmas. That's sons' sons. So he's saying, mothers and grandmothers, teach these things, you'll or you'll forget them, and your children will forget them, and they won't penetrate deep in the heart and have the effect these stories do that God intends for these stories to have, for these teachings. In Deuteronomy 6, 7, it tells us we are told to teach diligently unto thy children. And when thou sittest in thy house, when thou walkest by, when thou liest down and risest up. God is saying, take these opportunities always, everywhere, seize opportunities to always be teaching our children. We talked about in the video that Kimberly, right, we showed, uh, let's see the next slide, uh, that Jesus Christ was the master teacher. He used stories and parables teach his messages we're reminded in matthew 13 verse 34 and mark 4 2 that all these things jesus Jesus spake unto them in parables without parables he didn't speak unto them he taught many things uh, and said these things in uh, um unto them in his doctrine so in the supplemental material okay in the supplemental material for lesson Seven, there are two good um, articles that talk about uh, how we can read to our children and why we should do it. And, and it kind of gives us pause to think about how, how we are doing with this. The first article is entitled, Reading Aloud to Your Children by Pamela Openshaw, who's actually the author of Promises of Constitution. She's written an article that we included in our lesson number seven. So she talks about reading out loud to her children, how it's a powerful tool that binds us together with them. And this combined sensation of hearing us speak, and they listen, and they see. It deepens, if we're showing them little picture books, it deepens the learning process and really emboldens the concepts that are being presented. And then not to mention the discussions that you have before and after you, after you tell the story that provides opportunities to reinforce these moral concepts and the emotions she talks about that are aroused, particularly with a good piece of fiction, Uh, gives a child an experience and helps them develop a maturity about times and events and circumstances that they might, might not otherwise, it might be beyond their years or their experience. So um, Pamela Openshaw tells us of two experiences to illustrate her point. The first took place when she was a student teacher, a young woman in third grade and as a student teacher, she had chosen to read, oh, let's see the next slide, Viv, uh, a book called Charlotte's Web. We all love Charlotte's Web. To her students, 10 minutes at the last of class, every day for 10 minutes, she would read from Charlotte's Web. And she said, one day we were on the very last chapter of the book, where Charlotte was dying, and all the little her little spider uh, um, posterity were coming, and Wilbur was meeting them, and the the clock was ticking. She said mercilessly towards the daily bus departure, and she was trying to race to finish the book because she didn't want to stop a page or two before you know the end. And the twenty eight children in the classroom just sat immobile mesmerized by this emotional ending and they hardly that she says seemed to even breathe and triumphantly she says i finished the last sentence and i looked into the eyes of those children that were made tender by charlotte's death and wilbur's pain and consolation and then the pa system blared its messages that the buses were almost ready to depart but not one of those children moved because they were held by the emotion within them. She said, as I looked into the eyes of each child, I felt a love for each one of them that endures to this day. Reading good literature has that effect. A second example Pam gives is in her home as a mother. She would get her kids up each morning. She has a lot of kids and. Uh, she would have a little, you know, work chart and a uh, little schedule in the morning with activities. But the best part of the morning routine, was she, she would read to the children for 20 minutes, she says 10 minutes was uh, Bible reading, and then 10 minutes she'd read from a good book, and then everyone would kneel and pray, and then they would scatter to the four winds till nightfall would come, she said. So she remembers that day when they were concluding, let's have the next slide, Viv. they were concluding They were at the end of a book called Johnny Tremaine. Have you heard of this book? It's a historical fiction. It's about a young boy who's 14 who lives in Boston and he's working as a silver apprentice in the early 1770s. And the book takes you through the times just before the Revolutionary War and then the outbreak of the war. And her little son, David, was sitting next to her, as he always would, when she would read in the morning to the kids. And just as she finished the final words of the book, there was an aura of reverence for Johnny Tremaine and for our country and for our revolutionary history, she says, that just kept everyone silently spellbound. And she said, almost a full minute passed as each child turned inward to capture those tender feelings that they were having about this book and her little five-year-old David broke the silence and said oh mommy that was the bestest book I've ever she said what bestest book in the whole world and she would go on to say 23 years later with that memory still fresh in her mind she gave David a new copy of Johnny Tremaine on their wedding day, and they reminisced for a moment over the power of that moment that they still remembered. So a question could be asked as you're teaching this cottage, meeting, if you were in your home and we have all the questions for you. What experiences have you had reading to your children? Or what memories do you have of your mother reading to you? And what what was its impact? Now, I remember last year. Uh, not last year, last week, I talked about my mom reading about the boxcard children and where the red fern grows uh, to me as a child. And at Christmas time for about the whole month, she would read to us a Christmas carol, Scrooge. And so because my mama did that, I years ago started reading a Christmas carol to my kids. And there for years, all their little bedrooms were on the hallway. I would sit outside the hallway. They would all be in their beds and I would read every night a Christmas carol to them. And those kids still remember laying in bed. Some of them would fall asleep, but they have enough memories. And the wonderful discussions we really have at Christmas time, because my mother did that with, with me. Another article in our, um, our little manual today is entitled, Are You Just Reading to Them? Put a little chat. and I'm going to have you put a little chat of some books that you remember your mother reading. Are you reading? Just a moment. Ma- uh, mama's. But this article is by Rachel DeMille, and she reminds us that reading to our children is such a formative experience at so many levels. You laugh, you bond, you cry, you memory make, there's a shared language that you gain, there's tenderness and empathy for others as you read these stories, you can relive the past you can connect and deepen your affections for those that have come before you, you can liken the lessons to what we're going through today formative at so many levels this article talks about. So she tells how she read the story of the three little piggies, Viv, let's have that next slide. So she was reading this story and it occurred to the author when she was teaching, she was actually teaching a group of children, this traditional folk tale of the three little piggies. And, and we're not talking the Disneyfied version, <laughs> she said, but the ones where the piggies actually got gobbled up because they, you know, didn't make their houses last, were made to last. She began to do what she always does. She asked questions and and they had a wonderful discussion about the three little piggies. And to be honest with you, it took longer to discuss the story and to listen to their little responses than it did to actually tell the story. And she said that there's so much to talk about when you have a good quality story. And then in the article in the book, she shares all kinds of questions that she asked or could have asked about this simple three piggy story. And she reminds us oftentimes that any old version of the three piggies just might not cut it, might not give you enough fertile thought. So many common and modern versions of stories you'll find mamas have been stripped of the details that make for great discussion. This is why we refer to the classics because they stay around generation after generation, retelling after retelling, because they have more than just one bossy moral of the story at the end, as she calls it. They have a myriad of open-ended questions embedded in the details. So clearly there's an article uh, entitled Garbage In, Garbage Out, Geigo in our supplemental material. Not all stories are created equal. It means that the quality of output is determined by the quality of input. Now, it's Thanksgiving time. I was just in Amazon Books two days ago. I had something tragic happen about six years ago. My box of books for Thanksgiving uh, pilgrims was accidentally thrown out when we moved. And I just mourned (laughs) that because I had some really good books about the pilgrims and the true meaning of the story of Thanksgiving. So I slowly had to start building up my Thanksgiving books again. So I was in Amazon. There was absolutely zero books on the pilgrims. Now I just got these on, um, so when I say I was in Amazon, I was in the Amazon, they have an Amazon bookstore in my town. But these are actually books I bought on Amazon, The Pilgrim's First Thanksgiving, The Story of Squanto. Did you know Squanto actually knew English? It was a miracle that Squanto found them and helped them that first few years. So these are just a few of the pilgrim books. There was none in the bookstore I went to the other day. So what books there were on Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving in the Woods, and it's beautifully illustrated. So I bought it, but it doesn't really tell the history. And Turkey Trouble, my sister said, oh, her children love it. So I got it because it has cute illustrations. Look, there's nothing wrong with Turkey Trouble. But what I do is I intersperse the real meaning of Thanksgiving, these kind of books, with some Turkey Troubles. And you build your little uh, I love Thanksgiving library, the true meaning. And the one that I showed you last week that I really like that you can find on uh, ProfoundPromises.com. Is called Hearts Full of Thanksgiving, and it takes 12 people uh, with scriptures for each person that was monumental in the first, uh, the Thanksgiving meal and the founding of our nation and Thanksgiving. I really like this one because it weaves in um, real characters, uh, real people from history, and has a spiritual angle to it as well. You can get that at Profound Promises. I think it's Oh, I think it's $15. And um, the little author also has another book she's written called Humble Origins and the Hand of Providence. And I really like that. That was like $12, I think. So we'll have these sources online. So, girls, what, what I do is I'm always looking to buy a little book or two each year. And over time, you build these beautiful libraries that you can read to your children. I read to my children, the last two at home that are ages 14 and 18. They still they still get, I mean, I will read Turkey Trouble here, uh, uh, probably one of these nights to them and, and all these uh, the books for the next week, they will get these books. And so it just helps to plant these little seeds. You know, it's fun to read fun books, but it's also kind of fun to read about Squanto and some of the early pilgrims as well. So this whole notion of garbage in garbage out, the, the disney version of our stories, and sometimes those Disney stories are kind of the dumbing down of the stories I think I've come to realize. And I, especially in the, in the past few years, is I, I have to be careful about some of the modern books I buy in the bookstores, because in, even in the movie theaters, I know you, you, you notice this cartoons, there's just this underlying political or social slant being cleverly pushed on our children. And so we have to be wise about the books that we bring in. And and also we have to be wise, Mamas, about the books that we're reading ourselves. I mean, are we just choosing mindless fluff and stuff? Are we spending time in pursuits but getting inferior results from the things that we're reading? Almost a decade ago, um, Viv, let's see the next slide. We moved from Washington, D.C. to a small town in Hood River, Oregon and this picture makes Hood River Oregon look really fabulous there's Mount Hood uh, before and then there's the Columbia Gorge River right in front of it we just live almost overlooking that river there's only about 7000 people <laughs> in this town and uh and that's really where i woke up to some i some some ideas of liberty and freedom was in this little town. I came from Washington DC to this town Hood River Oregon It's a beautiful town it's a destination spot a lot of people snowboard and kite uh, windsurf and kiteboard on the river there. So when I moved to this town I had five children and I was invited to join a woman's book group where we discussed kind of the popular best-selling books on the best-selling list of the day and I thought okay this will be a good way to meet some new friends in a new town. But shortly after that, I was also invited. Uh, There was a mama, a few mamas that started a cottage meeting. And now at the time I didn't know it was a cottage meeting, but it was a a group of mamas that were worried about what their children were being taught in schools. And so Glenn Beck held up the 5,000 year leap and said, moms begin to learn these principles, start a book group and teach your children these principles. And so I was going to these two book groups and, um, and I had an epiphany at the time that if I was going to spend time reading books, and I was busy, like we're all busy. I mean, there's only so many books we can read. If I was going to spend time reading books, I wanted it to be something that I could turn around and reteach my children to help shore them up for their battles ahead in the classroom and in life. So I eventually stopped reading that popular best-selling. I stopped going to that uh, book group because- Some of the books we were reading, I couldn't in good conscience even recommend them because there were parts to them that were probably not really in keeping with what I believed. So I stopped going to that book group and I began to more fully embrace and learn those things that I was learning in the cottage meeting so I could go home and reteach them to my children. So I know as mamas and grandmothers, we feel frustrated and we're worried about what our children are being taught in school and through social media. So just yesterday in the Washington Post, so, you know, I get a couple of papers and I go through the headlines with my kids. In the very front section, book backlash becomes conservative rallying cry. Parents demand books dealing with sex and race be removed from the library. And then it talks about these, you know, these extreme parents that don't want to talk about, you know, uh, gay relationships or race. And this mother that testified at the school board, what they didn't say is as she was teaching, as she was reading these books in the library, they're like soft porn. And she, the mother actually said, I Googled, I, I got, I put in the word gay and I got 175 hits for the school library. I put in the word lesbian, I got 84 hits. I put in the word Jesus, I got 19 hits. And out of those 19, uh, half of them were talking about Muslims encountering uh, uh, Jesus. And so, you know, it was made to, to, these parents were made to seem extreme and wanting to, you know, squash any um, uh, discussion in the classroom. (laughs) But I think one of the best fixes to our children being taught or told uh, certain things in school or on social media, one of the best fixes would be to have a family reading time with a classic book and a thoughtful discussion morning or night or at the dinner table. That way you can armor up your children. So when they are exposed to false or raunchy literature, that is not reflective of their values, they have been taught right from wrong, they have been taught these godly values. And so and that could be fixed with you just teaching and having a, a, you know, a family reading time uh, in your home. So let's see the next slide. Viv, what can grandmamas do? How can grandmas implement reading stories with your grandchildren? I've known my friends who have reading time during COVID with their children via Zoom, their grandchildren that's an idea. Or every time you go somewhere, grandmas and mamas, when you're at a historical site, buy children's books. And so you're building this, I love America library. So when the children, the grandchildren come over, they just know that's something that grandma does. She she reads a new book to you about history or, or a meaningful uh, story of, of our founding families or or, or something of, of scripture or a meaningful story in some way. Um, and, and I actually display all the new books I get. I put them up in my front room on my mantle. So the kids can go, Oh, there's a new book. Mom's going to read that to me for sure. And, you know, I told my adult children that the only gifts that this grandma is going to give their kids will be books or activities or toys from Colonial Williamsburg or from these historical sites, costumes dressed up like colonial uh, uh, folks, or drums and fife, those kind of things. Because I want to foster a love for our country and history. And my kids have said, "Okay, Mom, that's great. We'll we'll take those kind of gifts." But I think the I, I just I think you know to make our impact be really felt on our children and our grandchildren, we need to read to them. We need to have historical toys in the home for them to play with, and we need to give them as gifts because they will certainly get plenty of other gifts from Target and those kind of gifts at birthday parties. We don't, we don't need to compete with those kind of things. So Viv, let's see the next slide. You know, I have just one little girl left at home And I I wish I would have figured this out with all the other children, but I began to forego the traditional, you know, Barbie books, strawberry shortcake, Disney books with this little child, because I had kind of woken up to this idea that there's so much better quality reading material than some of those little books. And I've read, I've had all the strawberry shortcake books. I mean, I've had shelves and shelves of those kind of books, but this little child just got little books from history of uh, and they're sweet little stories you can collect them i have shelves and shelves of children's books from history of our founding fathers and founding mothers and our history and our faith and what it did is it made our little time so much more enriching and bonding as i've read these kind of books and this is just a little book i'll read to her from the um uh, I, uh, library of hopes uh, books, and I'll I'll talk about that in a moment. But now, here um, she is, Maria, fourteen, and she still looks forward to reading from some of these classic stories of the past. And sometimes I'll read in the morning, and sometimes I'll I'll do it at night. So put in the chat, William mamas, what are some of the quality books that you've read to your children through the years or you remember your mama reading to, to you? Just put them in the chat so we can kind of see what, what are some of the ideas uh, that we can maybe glean from if we haven't um, read some of these books that are being recommended. So also look at this American history um, series. We, we recommend these books a lot in the Cottage Meeting Resource Guide. Uh, I like these stories. They're from this one, the American history stories from Mara Pratt was written at a time. And a lot of these books come at a time known as the golden age of literature in the late 1800s and early 1900s, when authors were writing to inspire patriotism and to encourage faith and to develop strong character. So I, you can get on a little program where well, they'll send one book a month from the libraries of or a welleducatedheart.com, these books. The story Bible comes from here. And it's, uh, it's something you might want to check out. You know, once again, I'm giving you a lot of books to buy today, and that's that's not the intention. You just buy a little book here and there, but just know when it's time for you to buy a new book, there we have a lot of good resources for classics and books that you can you can trust. There's also a Patriots reading list. In uh, this book here, Woman, uh, that Kimberly Fletcher wrote, it's at the back of the book. And it's also um, going to, we're putting it on our website now, the Patriots Reading List. And it's just a compilation of children's books and teen novels and adult nonfiction and even movies that we recommend. So this Patriots Reading List will be under the resources for this lesson, uh, uh, lesson number seven, that you'll be able to go online and click on it and print it off. So that's called the Patriots uh, reading list that we have. So the last several pages of lesson number seven in our lesson today um, includes some really great stories. Okay, so you don't even have to look, just just go here and you'll you'll have about 10 stories to, to teach your children uh, right in lesson number uh, Seven. So these stories are stories that used to be included in the grammar school textbooks throughout America, and, and they have been well documented, but most of them have been removed from history books in this modern time and even from historical sites because they contain religious or inspiring content that's not acceptable to textbook manufacturers today. These stories are a part of our American history. And they need to be shared with our children and taught in our homes if we're going to expect to preserve the story of America. And these stories are not taught taught in school because oftentimes they mention God. So, um, uh, you know, there's about seven little stories at the back uh, of the book. And if you had a cottage meeting, you could assign each mama to read one of the stories and then to retell it in your cottage meeting and to maybe give an application for our day today and we won't do that today but i'm just going to kind of walk you through there's the story of the miracle of boston in 1747 it's a great story read that to your children when uh john adams was in that church of that day when that violent storm came in and and um, there's the old south church today in boston And John Adams said, I became a patriot that day when I saw God's hand wipe out the French fleet and save us. Remember, I told you, I've been to that old South church in Boston and I asked them if they knew there was a little book on the miracle of the the 1746, the miracle of the old South meeting house. And the tour guide looked at me like, huh? And I went to the bookstore, no books. So unless I had known I, if I hadn't known this story, I I would have I would have never known the, this great miracle that took place there in 1746. There's also Viv. Let's have the next slide. Um, a Store a little article about little story about the faith of Christopher Columbus. Now he has been so misaligned. His story has been so misconstrued by modern historians and in, incorrectly taught in schools for years. And because of this. All of our young people today think Christopher Columbus is a genocidal terrorist, you know. And so mamas, I would really recommend learn this story of him, and get it deep in your heart what he did and why he did it. He said the Holy Ghost inspired him, angels came to him. Christopher Columbus opened the doors to the most phenomenal spread of Christianity since the time of the early apostles. And he really set the stage for this greatest nation in the history of the world to be founded a few hundred years later. If we don't get the story of Christopher Columbus right, your children will never know the true story of America's discoverer in God's hand and leading him here. Now, in the Healing of America seminar in section one, seminar one, section one, Uh, you will find some really good resources that we share that will help you to teach the true story of Christopher Columbus. You know, I really like this um, Pilgrim's Hypothesis that talks about the Pilgrims, and he he talks about Christopher Columbus by Timothy Ballard. Um, If you Google the the Plymouth uh, or the Pilgrim Hypothesis, he gives a one hour overview of this book and I, he talks a little bit about Christopher Columbus. So if you want to kind of do the abridged version of this book, you can just Google, I'll put this resource up for um, our lesson seven. But I like this book. This is kind of a current book, but it's it's accurate and true to Christopher Columbus and our um, pilgrims. There's another story entitled The Gunpowder Story about a cute little girl. Okay, Viv. Her name is Elizabeth Zane. As a young girl during the Revolutionary War, they she helped protect a fort along with some families. Um, what was that fort called? I think it was called Fort. Well, I forget. But it's in the story. But anyways, they realized all the gunpowder was outside of the fort in a home, so she made this mad dash to get. Um, this, this picture is kind of interesting. Well, anyways, they say that's Elizabeth Zane. There's a picture of her also in our uh, Cottage Meeting Green Book. And so she, she had the courage. She ran outside of the fort and ran to that house. And I'm sure, you know, the British were firing away. And what a wonderful story uh, to teach your children. And you could ask, would you have done that? I mean, what, what here's a story of what a difference one girl made and would, would you do that? And why do you think she did that? And then you could tell about the story of Joan of Arc at 14, you know, when the little voices begin to come to her and God said she had an important mission. And, and so um, there's a few other little stories about, you know, the bombardment of Fort McHenry. And we won't talk about that because we talked about that last week with that wonderful video and how the flag was still flying and the national anthem was penned because of that. And there's also a great short story um, in the material in lesson seven about George Washington serving and working along with his people. So as you teach these stories, just take one story at a time. It could be over breakfast. It can be during the dinner hour. It can be before you put the kids to bed. You can take a picture and send it to the kids. You know, I mean, just however you weave it into your conversation, you know, I always would tell the story, then I'd say, okay, what does the story mean for you as you walk down the halls of high school, or you know, as you're out on the playground, or or you walk the campuses of your university, and then we have a discussion about that. Bib, let's do the next slide. So, you know, I was with my sisters. I come from a family of nine. So there's four of us sisters, and and two of them are right there and there's me and my two little sisters uh, one little sister came a few days early but as I was with my sisters over the last week going to these patriotic colonial uh, historical sites you know those two little sisters right there are heavy, carrying some heavy burdens one little sister in the middle there after 43 years is going through a divorce right now and then my other little sister she's got a t-shirt I loved it girls trip uh cheaper than therapy it says she just uh, about three months ago had a double mastectomy. So she's just going through, lost all her little hair. And so their hearts are heavy. It was just therapeutic. Literally it was to be together with my sisters. And we were at the Christmas Spectacular and you put these 3D glasses on in the beginning when Santa um, comes out in his sled. <laughs> we had such fun. But as we went to these historical sites, And, you know, I would sometimes tell them some of the stories of, you know, George Washington being so wealthy. And then after the war, he was so poor. He said, I've never felt so poor in my life. The bill collectors coming to Mount Vernon and Abigail Adams basically having to raise her children by herself when they were young because her husband was off, you know, doing the work of union building. And then Thomas Jefferson and how his young little wife, who's only married to her 10 years, they had six children, four of the six died. And how um, George Washington never was able to have any children with Martha, but raised some of her children, four, she had four children, two of the children died. They're buried in Colonial Williamsburg. The other little daughter died as a teenager. And then the son just was kind of a disappointment to George. But he would die uh, uh, young and they would raise the grandchildren. And I told them about Dolly Madison, how she never was able to have children with her husband, had one child, her husband died, and she remarried James Madison, the father of the Constitution. And this little son that she had when her husband, James Madison, died, she lived for another 10 years and he mismanaged all her money and she died impoverished. And as we talked about you know, we sometimes romanticize history and all these great men and women that did so much, but their lives were so hard. Their burdens were so heavy. And it's so wonderful to learn their stories because what we kept reminding ourselves is great people have always had to have trials and heartache. The Lord doesn't spare people doing great things. Sometimes he accentuates the burdens. And I know that somehow it helped my little sisters to realize, look, This is a part of life. You come, you you come to earth, you do as much good as you can, but God is going to try and he's going to test you. And he's still going to expect you to get on that wall and be a blessing and a light unto others, just as our founding fathers and mamas were. And that is the power of stories. It helps kind of ease our burdens. Let's have the next slide go. So this is just a fun, you know, I talk about my mama so much. Someone sent me this, one of my siblings did. And I don't know, mama, it's a funny picture. She has feathers around her. But, you know, my mama, after 26 years of marriage, divorced my father. She had nine children. My dad was very difficult. But my mama was a woman of great faith and patriotism. She died Would die at 59 of cancer. I was 24 when my mom died. I have such vivid memories of her in the kitchen, either doing the dishes or making a pot of stew or something, making dinner. And I would sit at the island and she would tell me stories from her childhood. She grew up on a farm and she would tell me stories of her mama. They eventually would come to Utah and her mama would go on to become very famous. And so she would tell the farm stories and then their conversion to faith and then the stories of her great grandmother on the farm. And it just helped to sink into me, the identity of, I come from strong women, we do hard things. As my mama would tell the stories of my, my ancestors when I was a young girl. Bib, let's have that last slide. When the story, when the world is in chaos and we're not able to locate its identity, it's the storyteller that brings it back to the center. Storytellers are the keepers of the culture. My mama, when my parents would divorce when I was 14 years old, because she would tell the stories of God and scriptures in the family, she always brought our family back into the strong center. Mothers, stories can heal a nation. Without a story, we don't have a nation. Stories of our shared heritage unites hearts, And it's in the uniting of the hearts that we're given the strength and the courage to push through our hard times. A child's ability to maintain hope, our grandchild's ability to maintain hope during their trying situations, and our children are most certainly being tried right now out in the world, to stand for truth and for God and for country is not going to be easy for them, but their ability to maintain hope during their trials and temptations will be in direct proportion to how deep and how broad their reservoir of stories will be. A heart stock full of stories will provide solutions for them to draw upon for every problem that they may face because stories keep hearts from failing. So let's have that last. This is our last slide, ladies. So when Kimberly in the video talks about uh, that Christopher Columbus story, the quote says, happier than any fairy tale, more marvelous than any wonder book. The story of the United States of America is one that begins once upon a time and has come to the point where it depends upon the boys and girls who read it to say whether or not They shall live happily ever after. Well, mamas, we are finished for the day. I am rooting for the happily ever after. It is in God's hands, but I'm going to do everything I can to ensure in my little world and in the people I love the most world, we're we're striving for happily ever after. And this is a beautiful week to tell the week leading up to Thanksgiving, to tell the stories of the pilgrims and Thanksgiving and to discuss those aspects of those faithful people that worked so hard, that sacrificed so much, that lost so many. The 100 people that came over on that Mayflower, um, 50 of them died that first winter. Uh, 18 mothers came over. All of the mothers died except three or four, because, and all the children that came over on the Mayflower lived, but the mothers died. And they they died so that that rising generations could continue. And I've often, you know, thought, and it's been explained to me, it's because those mamas gave every laid on those cold winter nights, laid their bodies on those babies so they could live, gave their food to those children so they could live. What a great story to share with your children and your grandchildren that they gave all that they could for the formation of this country. And we're going to have to do all we can for the perpetuation and the continuation so our children will have and know what we had and knew. So my dear mamas, next week, we have no class. It's Thanksgiving. So you get a little break woo-hoo, let's get real. Are we going to really have a break? It's Thanksgiving. We're going to be working our heads off, (laughs) but in a different sort of way. So the following week, the last uh, Thursday of um, November, we will pick back up with lesson number eight, Capture the Sunshine. I love this lesson. It's how to teach your children and grandchildren to love liberty through the arts, literature, poetry, music, and art. I really like this lesson. So mamas, may God inspire you to continue to read and to learn and to share the best stories with your loved ones, your children, your grandchildren. Get in the habit of buying good quality books when you're out and about. Let that storytelling begin.